0: The Ryan Tuberty Show on RTE Radio 1 with Elevon Merchant Services. Growing your business is easy peasy with us by your side.
1: Hello there and welcome to our weekly podcast. This is a compilation of our best interviews from the last five days all in one place. On Monday's show, Dancing with the Stars champions Nina Carberry and her dance partner Pasquale La Rocca join me in studio. Santa Sogaro knows more than most about cost-cutting and she told me about how to live a debt free life. She is also the new co-host of The Price of Everything on RT1. Leading disaster planner Lucy Easthope has spent a career cleaning up after the worst has happened. When the Dust Settles is her new book. Jade McCormick joined me in studio to talk about love and motherhood with visual impairment and on Friday's show and ahead of Saturday's Climb for Charlie, I was joined by some of Charlie's many supporters. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. It's Monday morning and last night it came to a glorious, glittery end.
2: Dancing with the Stars on RTE Radio 1 Sponsored by Muller Corner Mullerlicious
1: and we welcome to the studio Nina Carberry and Pascale La Roca. Welcome to you both and thank you for being here. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. For Ryan. Me thank you. Thank it, you. It, it must be difficult for you not to hear your names and people clapping. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of clapping when <laughs> that's where the stars. Going yeah. Put your hands together, please. Uh, but uh, that was quite the result. Uh, first things first, how are you today, Nina? Yep. Morning after. I'm very tired. Oh, that's understandable.
2: <laughs> no, I had an absolute brilliant time last night. It was an incredible show and to be part of it all, it was just amazing.
1: Pascali, two in a row. That was really impressive. Congratulations to you. That must be a buzz.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. It was such a special night, actually. Yeah, I couldn't believe it to, yeah, to, to realise it. it took me like probably a few hours. Yeah. Uh, it was a special night, yeah. You
1: know, when you're choreographing those dances, you, you obviously are exceptionally good at what you do. Do you sketch it out on a piece of paper or is it all in your head or how do you decide what to do with a song?
3: Yeah, so I, I study a lot the, the, the song, uh, make sure that the musicality is on point. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I like to, I always say this, I like to shape the choreography as it would be on a like like a dress like you okay, know, like a designer Yeah like a designer Yeah so I like to make You know my partner comfortable I like mm. to highlight You know musical uh, Beats into the choreography But also to It's very important for me That my partner Comes out like comfortable And she has You know the main highlights That I want to highlight So mm. yeah
1: So it's, it's psychological And physical production because she has to be happy in her head, mm. but also physically.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it is It is both and it requires lots of practice. So, yeah. yeah
2: like she's There was things you got me to do and you were like, how are you able to do that? And then I, be, I wouldn't be able to do the simple things. You're like, are yeah. you able to do the hard things? You're not able to do. Yeah,
3: most it of the really time. It was really
2: weird, wasn't it? You kind of yeah. had to keep trying with me to find what I could actually do because you weren't actually sure what yeah. I was and wasn't able to do I felt that uh, was really odd wasn't it like there were some things like a sha- what, do you call, what, what do you call that move <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh chasse she can't pronounce chasse <laughs> but yeah and sometimes I would sit down and just watch Nina and I would be like you know, do this, do this, and that doesn't work. So yeah. I like to really yeah. test and see what focus works.
1: on what she's good at. I mean, yes, which is pretty much everything. I mean, no. You, no, I, I, I don't know. If you won the the award last night for your for your graciousness and humility as much as uh-huh. anything else, because you brought both of those to the table every week, and I was surprised to see you in in this in this program. I really was. I've only <laughs> met you a few times in passing. You're always very you're you're a very lovely person. Um, and when I saw you in the middle of this I thought what's she doing there are <laughs> you still asking yourself that question I am.
2: <laughs> so, to be honest what uh, happened yeah um, uh, I have an agent Trevor sport endorse and he kind of uh, approached me and I was wanted me to do the dance with the stars and said it to my husband Ted yeah. and um, he said I think you should do it. and I said Ted I don't know I said I don't can't dance I don't have that rhythm and he was like yeah but it will be a bit of a challenge for you again you know you need yeah. that kind of in your life so I, I said, right, OK. And I said, right, I'll do three nights a week and I can still see the girls and that. And then I kind of started off at Pasquale and I kind of realised how bad it was. and said, like, I'm going to have to give this like full on yeah. because I didn't want any regrets. So I said, I might as well do it as much as I can. And uh, yeah, kind of snowballed from there and I had to give it at my all because it wouldn't have come out if I didn't. And is that was that a kind of perfectionist thing or professionalism thing or
1: self... Um confidence thing that, that you didn't want to go on looking like a yeah. bit of an Egypt. Or, exactly. Yeah. 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 Like
2: I was like, if if I go on and feel like an Egypt, I mm. like I'd have regrets about it. I didn't want to go in going I couldn't Yeah. So like basically I wanted to go on and have given it my all and uh yeah basically just not having regrets, around, yeah, and, to and, a,
1: and a quit yourself. Yeah, well, had you any dance moves at all before this thing started? I mean, at a at a, an Irish I wedding, that yeah, not. Pasquale, no. <laughs> no, definitely not. So you came empty-handed to the yeah, table. Yeah, and
2: everyone <laughs> that knows me knows I can't dance. At you know a wedding, what I mean? At Very a, bad. All of that. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Going, nothing going. My yet. feet turned in like terrible.
1: Oh gosh. Okay, yes. I, I feel that pain. I'm I'm relating <laughs> to you as I speak. I to, so tell me, um, what was your first dance at your wedding? that song.
2: Oh, this my own song. Yeah, cracked the shoulders. Uh snow patrol, is it?
1: Is that it? Okay, and yeah. you dance with Ted to that yeah. song. Yeah. How would uh, you just lift
2: me up and spin me around?
1: Ah. <laughs> Pascal, that's a description of every Irish first dance that ever happened. Uh, uh, I was uh, just a small story of, yeah, On the Late Late Show recently, before the show was Patrick's Day and we had, uh, uh, you know, uh, traditional Irish music playing before the show. Kelly Harrington, our wonderful Olympic, yeah. and she said, do you love me? And she dragged me by the hand and said, come up and we'll dance to this thing. And I, I felt that <laughs> for all the confidence and all the showing off, once I was asked that, I was mortified Very
2: vulnerable You feel so vulnerable, vulnerable. And exposed Yes Yeah that's like, what you were going I into I was it. petrified every weekend Going out You know what I mean You'd be yeah. shaking
1: And like. I'm a show off I don't know how And you're oh, not Like That's the like, difference how, you, how You're very As I say you're humble And you know you're, you're self-deprecating so to expose yourself like that I thought yeah. that was a big ask but she's uh, yeah. every week you delivered
2: and yeah and like to be a part of it all like there was 12 contestants on it and we all went through the same thing and all went through the same emotions like we all kind of realised what we were going yeah. through and to be honest it was a brilliant bunch and uh, it was great to be a part of that and uh, the four finalists we all had great fun the last week and uh, it was nice to, to you know bond with them as well and yeah. it was brilliant
1: They seemed like a very very nice bunch and very friendly And but also I, I thought it got very emotional um, towards the last few weeks and I think um, we'll talk a bit about this on the phone because we can't have everyone in unfortunately but we'll talk with some of the other competitors in a, a couple of minutes of time but uh, Pasquale you had you had um, your grandparents, you suffered some, some losses personally yes. um, and tell me a little bit about that and how you're doing. My condolences to you.
3: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was a very, I have to say, I mean, since Covid started, it was a tough year for yes. the industry, but in particular for me as well. And last year, you know, I lost for the first time, you know, there was a death in my family my grandma in, in July okay. and six months later my beloved grandfather passed away too, which was a week before I start rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Okay. He and dance with the stars. So yeah, it was a very tough time for my family, because they caught both sides of my mom and my dad and they both passed away with Alzheimer's which
4: Oh I'm sorry. Was, okay.
3: yeah. Which was very, very, very sad. But I had to obviously, you know, be strong. Uh yeah. came back to Ireland and and I started this journey, which, you know, in a way has been so rewarding. And I've yeah. been looking after me from, you know, this. Yeah, you think that they're shining down on you. Absolutely. That's, that's nice.
1: Because you need that courage uh, to be uh, committed to the to the project. And, I, I, you know, when you're going through something like that, sometimes throwing
3: yourself both feet in your case yeah. into yeah. it and just going, right, let's make this happen. Absolutely. It was so difficult because it, it was a moment that I wanted to stay with my family. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I wish I could have stayed with them, you know, and leave that sad moment with them. But, to you know, Pull this big smile and yeah. go like I'm I'm strong and I can do this. So yeah, it was it was a brilliant
1: time. I think Nina also your your that that love of your family shone through as well throughout the program. That you know your, your yeah. kids were kind of going mm. looking at pictures, ever going. I think she's my mum. I haven't seen her for so long. <laughs> I <laughs> I think know. She looks like my mum, <laughs> <I mean, laughs> so, but normally there's either a horse <laughs> or something. But
2: oh, they uh, were they've been so good. Um, in fairness to them, like four and two and. <laughs> I'd be coming and going every day yeah. and it was so hard on them, but um, it's it's over now and I said it to Rosie this morning, I'd be back later, don't worry. I said, I'm yeah. not going dancing. And uh, yeah, no, it was a very hard time on them because... You know, it's not easy um, not having your mum there for, for three or four months, but they, they really were good. And thank you for all the babysitters that helped out for me because I wouldn't have done it without them, Jolima and Imelda. And yeah, so that's for thank you for them.
1: You'd be lost without Jolima and Imelda. Yes. The, these are the people that make the world easier for yes. you, isn't that right? Yes, okay. Exactly. And they offer that love uh, yeah. from a distance that you can't do yourself. Mm. Uh, Ellen Keane is on the line now. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning. How are you today?
5: I'm good.
1: Good. And how did it go last night for you? How did it feel?
6: Oh my God! It was so amazing. Um, I said it on the show; like it felt like just one big celebration. Um, and go on, Nina, a deserved winner. <laughs> oh, good
1: you. on you! And, and uh, Ellen, I thought uh, that dance you did—what's the call it—with the with the army of Ellens behind you—that was that was spectacular.
6: Thank you so much. Was it not a little bit intimidating? No. <laughs>
1: no. no All the there can be never be enough Ellen Keens in <laughs> yeah. the world, Ellen, as you know. And and you you talked about. Uh, throughout the programme about representation. I think that was your mission from the get-go. Do, uh, mission accomplished?
6: Definitely. And I, I've received so many messages of just support and, and people telling me that, like they've given them a bit of hope which is absolutely lovely and, and even just starting the conversation in, ho- in homes and houses about disability with kids that maybe was difficult to have before so I'm really grateful for that.
1: Okay, I thought it also Nina that and um, Pascal and and, and anyone could have won last night not oh, to be yeah. disrespectful to you but no I absolutely. felt like no. all those 10s were flying around and I thought this could go anyway, I had no when it came down to it I had no idea I didn't even have a favourite in my head I just thought everyone was so good yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a knockout The competition was so high oh, It was high goodness
2: like not one person had a bad dance last night It was just you know it was brilliant
1: uh, Jordan Conroy Good morning to you
7: well, oh,
2: well.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
7: hi Jordan. <laughs> hi <laughs> Nina. Didn't actually sleep,
1: Nina. Did you? <laughs> I didn't I actually did
7: not. I was just groggy in the morning. How are you? Now we we organised
1: an ambulance for to bring Nina in this morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, they, they even named her after the siren. Um, uh, so so we were talking, Jordan. You, I mean, your dancing last night was remarkable. Um, your hip hop moves with Salome was. As, as Brian Redmond said, arguably the best dance since the programme started in this country. How do you feel about that?
7: Yeah, that, like, that come and blew me away because, you know, I was just having fun with it and then for him to actually dance was, like, a massive <laughs> shock, you know, because and I, I didn't know he could dance that well. I was really <laughs> surprised, but, uh, yeah, unbelievable uh, experience and everything and, you know, it was, it was a night to remember and I couldn't have asked I couldn't ask for it to end like that. I don't even know what I'm saying, but I don't believe. No, no. The, 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 Sorry, this, the, the, the <laughs> Jordan. Jordan, Jordan. The last time I met you
1: was it was with Saloma. It was in the car park outside the radio centre, yeah. and it probably was an easier encounter than this one. So I won't keep you too yeah. long. Under the, bas- <laughs> on, right. the ba- on the basis on the basis that as I was watching you all last night, I knew you were heading off on the last night. I thought, I thought, and now I have to be the guy to bring them in the next morning <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. say. So
7: now, no, I c- was ready. I was ready to go. I was like 8:45. I'm there, but then I got the <laughs> news last night. I was like, oh, I don't have to be in. Right,
8: give me two
1: bottles of wine, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, you. You have to be in tomorrow morning. You can't be in tomorrow. I'm sure you're gutted, Jordan. But I tell you what, right. the next time people are going to a disco or nightclub, if there is one in Tullamore, uh, yeah. uh, they'll they'll be so disappointed if they don't see you in the middle of it all with a cape.
7: Oh, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm literally... Like, what I was saying was, like, with all the dances I've learned, my wedding dance is going to be unreal. <laughs> Anyone that wants to go... Don't spot on me, just be, pre- just be prepared to lose because, like, I have all this arsenal of moves that's just going to beat anyone. So, yeah, I'm going to go down to Tullmore and I'm just going to showcase a few cha-cha-cha moves and that's a few... It. Yeah. And that's it. that's what I'm going to do. But, yeah, it's been an unbelievable experience. And, uh, yeah, just sad it's all over now.
1: Yeah, I'd say you are. And um, your mother was, like, she was the happiest mother in Ireland watching it last night, I think.
7: Uh, yeah, she's, like, she's been the number one supporter. She's been... To every show and you know she's she's an amazing woman and you know i was able to dedicate a dancer which was really special to me so yeah like i'm really glad you know the
1: show came to me you're a big lad but you're a big softy too i like that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) erica cody good morning to you Good morning. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> dropped at least six octaves. It's great, you know. You can, you can all be singing Pavarotti one morning. It's many repertoire like this Very White. Uh, Erica. It's good to talk to you again, and uh, I've met you a couple of times on the late, late show when you were in singing. Yeah. Um, but this time, obviously, watching you uh, shine uh, week in, week out. Uh, how are you feeling this morning? I won't ask you how you're feeling physically. We, we get the sense that there was a great time. But how are you feeling about how it all went?
6: Uh, I honestly couldn't have expected it to gone any better than it has. Like, I just feel this show has exceeded my expectations and everybody else's expectations. It's been, like, the most intense, emotional, but rewarding journey. I keep saying yeah, it's the dirty, the Yeah,
7: the J-bomb. It's J J-bomb. You have the to J-bomb. drop them. Yeah, yeah.
6: Um, but it is true. You know, we go through so much, and we uh, we all have such a close bond with our pros, and they're absolutely incredible. So... You, you can only go on a journey with them, you know, the good, the bad and the best. Mm. So, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. Like, I'm on cloud nine and I just feel, I was saying this to Ellen yesterday, like we all represented someone or something last night and it, like across the board, like especially with me and Jordan, you know, the first two black Irish people in the Dancing with the Stars Ireland final and then we've Ellen who's, that visibility for people with disabilities and Nina who's a working mom in in a male dominated industry to do what she's done is incredible and yeah I just feel like everyone was a winner in some way last mm. night and it was just truly special and incredible to be a part of.
1: Well said. Um, I also thought from a few weeks ago and I was very moved by it actually was uh, your dance partner Dennis uh, in yeah. the middle of the, the Ukrainian invasion uh, mm-hmm. by Russia obviously and his uh, his response to it was it was very emotional obviously but also it kind of yeah. highlighted from the Ukrainian people living in Ireland now and it just uh, we see it on the news it's just a horrible news story but he saw it as a direct attack on his family if you like um, but yeah. handled himself with with great dignity.
6: Absolutely and you know what I think he's done that throughout this whole experience because um, when that did all start to unfold. I, I saw the effect and the toll that it had on him. And I think it, it, it's very hard to just turn a blind eye to things like that that are happening in the world. Um, but I think, uh, like, his main objective was to still give his mom and his aunt and his friends and family hope, um, even in a time of such despair. And I feel the way he was able to come in every day and still pull it together and... Have, you know, his couple of hours in the studio just to even, you know, get away from the news for a couple of hours or whatever the case may be. Um, it it helps him in tenfold, but it, it's such a difficult situation to even. You don't really know where to begin, you know, um, because your heart absolutely goes out to everybody who is trying to get to safety. Um, and his his mom and his aunt is one of them. So I've kind of had an experience of watching that unfold First hand, which mm. is which is mad, um, but he was an absolute champ. And like, like, I'm speechless. Like, I genuinely am. I just don't know how he did what he did, and to make the final for him, I know was it me- meant a great deal to him you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and you you say that so well. And and uh, between yourself and Jordan and uh, Ellen and obviously Nina here and your dance partners, it felt like a quite emotionally charged atmosphere there last night. It was the end of you know, There was that kind of that last. Dance. I I thought, Nina, when you were saying. Yeah. G- goodbye I always say I say this every time but it's it's, it's it's like the last days of Irish college when you're saying goodbye and getting on the train <laughs> yeah. and you're saying oh no literally
6: yeah, yeah it's like know, the last
1: <laughs> day of school it has that feel to it um, Eric I'll, I'll say goodbye to you and Jordan and Ellen and thank you for your time congratulations you. have a great day today <laughs> loads of chips loads of, guys. Curry, yeah. loads of curry chips Bye, guys. and um, we'll do you fine and you'll be grand by, by 6 o'clock but thanks to, and also to mention Salome and Stephen and Dennis the, the dance partners uh, who are obviously so important to the whole thing so will there be a big uh, come down now Nina I mean it, it's quite it, not anti-climax because it's been lovely but there is that sense of whew, like you've been just, just so I'll go now
2: Yeah it's just been full on for the last four months we started training in the beginning of December it hasn't stopped to be honest I probably have had I can name in my hand how many meals even meals I've had with my husband Ted like seriously like yeah. so I'm looking forward to spending time back with him again he's been an unbelievable support for me and uh, uh, thank you to him because I wouldn't have done it without him.
1: Okay, fair play. And Pasquale, you're you're from Naples, isn't that right? Yes. Um, we spoke about Naples before because I'm always, I want to say. So did you see Gamara? Isn't
3: that the best thing on TV? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of violence and yeah, but it, it shows a lot of a reality as well. Yeah, but it's a great city. More more importantly, very uh,
1: it's a great city, city, a very yeah. w- a welcoming city and very interesting city. You know, it's not like a
3: classic Roman city or Absolutely. like Rome, I should say.
1: But there's, it's it's the little back streets and the pizza it's, joints. It's beautiful. Yes,
3: it's so romantic and so artistic in a way. Yeah. it's beautiful. And you yeah. can
1: bounce off to the islands
3: then if you want to disappear. Yes. It's not at all. Yes. So, will you head back to Naples soon? Yeah, I'm. I'm flying back on Wednesday. I look forward to spend time with my family for a few days, and then of course a well-deserved holiday.
1: Where do you go? I mean, if you're from Naples, where a lot of people like to go or thereabouts,
3: where does where does a uh, yeah go? Yeah, this time it wouldn't be that warm yet. So that's why I'm heading to south of Spain, which, you know, it'll be much warmer and I can rest a little bit. <laughs> Good
1: on you. Uh, the finale of Dancing with the Stars last night says uh, Eileen from Kerry was brilliant. It was wonderful dancing. And congratulations to Nina and Pascali for the win. I was hoping she'd win. Well deserved. Really enjoyed this season. Sorry it's over, though. And my Sunday evenings will not be the same. It was Mother's Day yesterday, so I was with my family, and including my own mother, um, who said from the get-go... Nina so she was supporting you from, mm. from a distance and, 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 and called it in fairness to her and it, that's what it was it was a lovely family viewing that you could talk to your families you could sit on the couch and watch it it was it felt like a
2: It went from every age group as well Brian. Yeah. like from my two year old to like in someone in their 90s It connected with all Not much people. of that around
1: these days No um, and especially with the darkness we have yeah. COVID and war. I think we needed this splash yeah. of colour. And so thank you for, for giving it to us. Appreciate it very much. And to all the people behind the scenes who make the programme, it was most yes, entertaining. Yes. Nina Carberry, Pascale La Rocca, congratulations. Have fun, relax, <laughs> yeah, and enjoy. We'll see you soon. Thank Bye-bye. you for having Thank you. I want to welcome back to studio Santos Ogaro. Great to see you, Santos.
9: Hi, Ryan. How I are haven't you? seen
1: you for ages. <laughs> we spoke in, gosh, when was it? 2019, I suppose. Yeah. You, you got in touch, we're talking to us about your efforts to live debt free. And as I was talking to people the last few weeks about, actually, it was really it started with I was asking one of the guys, what was, what would be the first thing you'd get rid of in terms of luxuries in your life? Because of the rising cost, yes. The answer came back From one guy Was, was downloading a subscription, uh, The streaming services Because yeah. there's so many of them And you, you log on to one for a week And the next thing You're in it for a year And you forget It's just yes. kind of Leeching money from your account And yes. so on like and then we got into it well i do this i do that I said well there's only one person I need to get the rundown from <laughs> the Santa, because you've been the soldier and continue to be
9: Yeah I've done it I've so lived it <laughs>
1: You've lived it So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to 2019 with you for a minute Yeah Just put you in context for people who didn't hear that chat and remind us of why you, you were here and just a bit of backdrop to your story if you wouldn't mind
9: Yes um, I faced the monster which was debt mm-hmm. I paid off 15027 in debt that year And I guess before, maybe this was a pre-show for me for what's going on now. Yeah. But I faced my problems. I was a natural spender. I spent a lot of money um, just on anything. And I decided that that was the year that I was going to change. And I became somewhat frugal Mm. with my money. I watched what was coming in, what was going out. And I just made changes constantly and I was always raising the bar for what was a want and what was a need, you know. Well, what a
1: a profound question in in one's life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In in so many facets of, of our lives, want versus need.
9: Yes, and a lot of us, I always say, you know, it's almost we have first world needs and then we have the real needs, which is, you know, your four walls, having your house, having somewhere to live. I just heard you talking about, you know, the Ukrainian families. It's so sad, but it just shows what is really important. You need yeah. to have somewhere safe. You need to have somewhere to live. You need to have your utilities paid for. Yeah. You know, you need to have food. And I'm not talking about, you know, going to a restaurant or Eddie Rockets. I'm talking about everyday food, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I pulled all that back. And I was like, this is what I need to feed my family. I need to have heat so I can you know, cook, I could heat my house, my kids have a warm place to live and everything else outside outside of that, I really have to look at and I have to second guess it and see, do I really need this? You know, and I cut back from a lot... Um,
1: you were a single mom the last time we spoke yeah, and, and yeah. you had the two kids. How old are they now?
9: Oh, They're four and five. Four and
1: five, okay. They're the bosses. <laughs> so they are, they're the kid bosses uh, running the show, no yeah. doubt. But at the same time, you have to say, no, no, you can't have that. No, you can't have that. But you have to be loving and you, you can't it's have that. a whole
9: sentence. Um, but they, what, what happens is because my children are so grateful, you know, every second week we have a movie night and I do my weekly shop. But I put aside seven euro and we go into the pound shop deals. I don't I try not to buy anything when I'm in the shopping center or in the supermarket with mm-hmm. them because I know that really you should be avoiding going to the supermarket with them but like I said I'm a single mom with them so sometimes that's unavoidable yeah So we go into deals and they pick the sweets and the bits and bob and that will last them through the week but I know, they look forward to that. It's almost like an event. Yeah, <laughs> and they tell my daughter tells the crush, having a movie night tonight. I think we're gonna watch um, Frozen tonight. I'm not sure. Yeah, and my son is like, no, we're gonna watch something else. But it's making an event with less.
1: Yeah, and that makes th- so much sense. So rather than saying watch a movie every night, yeah, what? Oh, here me? you
9: can just have sweets all the time. Right, you know, it's it's not. It's like. We have, we buy the sweets and if that lasts through the week, it lasts for the week and we make these little things called party bowls because I really think that it's not about, even though you're pulling back, you have to have a bit of joy in it as well. You have to have something for your family that you go, okay, I am budgeting, it is really hard, but... Yeah. Breed. I'm gonna have a little bit of self care, and I feel they need it as well. No you question,
1: know? no question. And you can't. This, this, and this, and even our conversation shouldn't be about the extinguishing of joy. No, it's it's about the no. management of <laughs> yeah. finances. And suppose, in some ways, you know, since we last spoke, Santesson, uh, in in that first conversation we had, uh, a lot has changed. Obviously, due yeah. to the pandemic, but also in your own life, you you went on to write your article for. It was not a country Irish magazine? country Irish magazine. Irish country magazine.
9: I, I yes, they. I can't even, I don't even know whose life this is. <laughs> I don't even know if it's me. Go on. I'm just riding the wave. <laughs> but you, you
1: are, you, I, you, I, because in fairness, you, you started this yourself in the sense that you had your Instagram, yeah. uh, which was, it became huge. Well, it was popular anyway, but I think it, it yeah, gathered another shared momentum. Yeah, I
9: all my budgeting tips. I kind of feel that people... Relate For me, when I first started, it was for accountability. I was sharing so people would hold me to it. Great. I'm not going to spend. I told you I'm not going to do this. And I didn't. And look what happened. And people saw it. And so many people have really implemented this into their life. Yeah. But now what I'm doing, I kind of feel like I'm the old, I'm the old, you know. You're
1: the mentor now. Yeah, i the mentor. You're, you're a like a financial bad. Yoda. <laughs> Spend money, you won't. I was <laughs> uh, uh, sitting there advising, you know, in the forest. They come and say, where is the, the Santas? She is there among the trees.
9: She is hiding. She is hiding.
1: <laughs> the little glow of wisdom. Anyway, so I went off on one there. You're clearly, as you say now, the, the veteran advisor in some ways because yeah, people, um, you've changed people's lives, though. and People will, people... will write to you and say, I've, it, I'm free. I'm, the weight is off, the foot is off my neck.
9: And they're able to literally, because I always think community is so important. Like, you know, my mom always says you are the company you keep. So if you're trying to pay off debt and you're in an atmosphere where we go get a bank loan or credit card or we have to go and show people what we're wearing every week, it's not going to translate very well for you. You're going to feel like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. So for people just to see me and say saying I paid off debt and I feel actually grand. I don't buy, you know, if I'm I'm not gonna go and buy a new dress because I'm going to an event. You know, I'm not gonna just go out for eat for food just for the sake of it. You know, if I can't afford it, I'll tell you I can't afford it, and then they feel that like they could say it to their family members and other people. Look, I'm I'm on a budget right now. Yeah. <laughs> budget. I want to make that the cool word. You know, and that's it. Uh, yeah. I don't know what happened
1: over COVID. I think a lot of people saved a lot of money. They did. Um, and then you would think that they're going to spend a lot of money. And like even that story this morning, the airport's jammed because people yeah. are getting the hell out of here. Yeah. And then there's people listening in this morning going, I'd love to be going on a plane, but I, I, I couldn't yeah. afford it. I, can, I can't I can afford to go on holidays up the road. So, you know, it's, it, there are different tiers in society, as, as is obvious. And then you hear the reports about inflation going yes. through the floor. And uh, and you hear about... Uh, bills, energy bills, and all, the, and suddenly all that the, the money people might have saved during COVID—you know what I mean? Yeah, are, it's you, just hearing evaporated are you hearing every this? every
9: time? You know, people worked so hard and they saved, and they were getting into good habits, and then we let them all out, and then it's like, but you've no money now. Yeah. Um, it's 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 really sad what I'm hearing. But I'm a very practical person, and I'm very solution orientated. So I'm. What I think is, you know, all that is external. What can you do within your home now Mm. to batten down and maybe tighten up some things that you probably let go because you had the extra money? It's not, I'm not saying this to be judgy or anything like that. I'm saying because that's something that I've had to do. When I was pulling back, I had to say, okay, lads, you know, the lights we have, I'm like, lads, turn the lights off, you know, turn the switches off. The kids know this now. This is just how we have to live. There's no choice in it. Yeah. I'm not gonna just give away my money, the little bit that I have, you for,
1: know. For waste. You from know, a from a sense of wasting it. There's a whole generation of people who grew up with their fathers and mothers saying, Shut the door yeah. in that room. Yeah. The heat gets out. Shut the door in the room. Don't leave the immersion on. Or <laughs> yeah, <we're> all, <laughs> we know the immersion. we got to sell the house if you <laughs> leave the immersion on for an hour and a half. Um, And and things like we always only mentioned the other day about, you know, the if you leave your TV on standby.
9: Yeah. The just, vampire
1: yeah. expense. Yeah. Oh, how
9: many people right now listening have their phone charger plugged in? Yeah. You know. Not to the phone though. No. The charger's plugged into the wall. And still, it's still going, you know. Does that take you? Uh, yeah. So how many people right now are doing that? You know, you have to ask or even simple things as having your couch up against the radiator and the radiator is there to heat the room, but it's heating the back of the couch. So you know, it's kind of nice and relaxing. <laughs> but, a total waste of money. But you're wasting money. So pull okay. that couch out a little bit. It's just little things like right, that, you know. Okay. Um How many people, you know, it's even, I always talk about meal planning, you know, Mm. to save and be, I'm very big at being loyal to your budget. So when you're thinking about being loyal, when you're thinking about saving money within the house, you're saving money, you're being loyal to your budget. Mm. I'm not loyal to any supermarket. I'm not loyal to anybody. I'm loyal to getting the best deal from me and my family.
1: Does that involve a lot of shopping around then? Uh... Yes,
9: I shop around. I'm very lucky because I have Instagram. So, you know, I could kind of say to people... what's the price of this down there? Yeah. What's the price of this down there? All right, I'll go. So
1: people are doing their shopping for you, really. Yeah. Aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, they're, they're shopping around for you. Then you have to physically go and get yeah, it. Right? Yeah, okay.
9: because you know what I'm saying? This is the price of milk. And then someone said, like, well, it's actually the price. The price of milk is, some, is, is different down the road. Yeah. Then we're telling everybody, go down the road and get it cheaper. But then there's some people that... A rural and I'm very con- um, I'm very yeah. conscious they of don't that. have a choice they don't have a choice yeah, yeah. but I'd always say go own brand we're loyal to the brands as well yeah. you know we really are and we do, you, need...
1: do you find big discrepancies when people Huge. When you, like when you say what about this loaf of bread or this uh, yeah. litre of milk do people come back and say well, look it's, it's 20 we only, cent we only like they,
9: they, we only like this milk or we only we only get this brand of tea bags yeah. but look you want to say you want to pay off debt. You want to free up a bit of money. Okay, I'm not gonna go there with the tea bags because I've yeah, had no, that's, that's so a, much. That, We're not even gonna go. That, this that's is a cultural <laughs> schism. Let's not. We're go We're not there. even gonna go there with yeah, the tea but bags. But you're talking about all these. But various all the other things. things, like you know, for me, I think it was crunchy nut. I was when I was on my budget, crunchy was nut i have like, never given up crunchy nut. This is just too much, you know. And I ended up saying no. Now I'm on, I'm on. Um, crunch Nut or something yeah, I don't know yeah. what it is I don't know the difference I made such a big deal out of it This is something I always had
1: What sort of price would you say The difference between say uh, The original Crunch Nut cornflakes Flakes Versus crun- good, crun- Crunch Nut Or whatever you call it
9: there <laughs> It's nut like 99 crunch. cent For a Nut Crunch or whatever. I it's can't even remember the name though, isn't of it. it Yeah and then It's it's 275 two. I haven't bought Crunch Nut in that long But I remember thinking Wow okay the, My My uh, my food shop budget has gone down a little bit because of, because crunch of my nut. crunchy nut addiction. But, but nut, nut
1: crunch lives on. And yeah, how you. many
9: people are going to be like, oh, I'd love crunchy nuts?
1: <laughs> no, but it, it's funny, when I power of suggestion. Yeah. Just, I love a bowl of that. There. Um, let me ask you about what uh, people are, where, what area of, of spending needs most scrutiny as far as you're concerned?
9: I feel... I feel you start with the four walls and try and cut them back. Your food budget, be very conscious of that. And another way of doing that is waste. Yeah. We waste so, so much, much food. So much food waste. Food, yeah. I think I was researching it and it was 700 euro a year and the average family throws out. Now, with inflation, that's predicted at, that's going to cost us an extra 1,300. Crikey, okay. So if we even focus on halving... Our food waste. We could pull back three fifty.
1: But no one, you know? in, no one intends to waste food. No, isn't that the thing? And you, no one likes it. You, you buy a sliced pan, and suddenly, before you know it, it's, it's five days later. Yeah. It's going green. You're saying, "Well, I, I didn't. I thought I might use yeah. it," but and then suddenly you're in the brown bin. Gone. There it goes.
9: Yeah. Well, I'd say meal plan. Yeah. You know, and it's not it's not something that your nanny says or your mom says. Oh, you need to meal plan if you're a busy person. You need to meal plan. You know, you bought you bought the bread. So you need to be having sandwiches. You have to use that bread up, you know, and, I, and even yeah. when <laughs> you have to put it in the plan. <laughs> um, and even when you're going to, you know, you're going to do your shop, don't do a weekly shop. Don't think of it as that. Think of it as a top up shop. You already have food at home. Do your meal plan around what you have at home, what's in your fridge, what's in your freezer. And then you go and say, OK, I'm making spaghetti bolognese. I have mince. I have spaghetti, but I have no chopped tomatoes. That's what I need to get on the shopping yeah, list. Instead don't. of going and getting the whole thing, and then two months down the line, you're throwing out spaghetti because <laughs> you just keep buying it because you like spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> you know, no. And, what... and
1: you keep the receipt.
9: <laughs> and you keep the receipt. What do you do with the receipt? <laughs> I like to scan my receipt. Um, there's an app, but I like to. Sc- I like to keep my receipt anyway, just to see. What is what's changing? I so like to keep tabs. Okay. Yeah. I'm scared.
1: Um, <laughs> if I was a supermarket owner today, I'd be going. Oh no, here's Santa. No,
9: not. no. Oh, I, have, uh, I have. I have. I. I'm. I'm wise.
1: <laughs> you're wise to it all. I'm not. But, but you, would you compare this week's receipt to last week? Is that why you keep them and go? Hang on a second.
9: Yeah. I. I like to. I like to know, and I like to kind of, in a way, it's. For me, because I'm a natural spender, I need to turn that upside down and have, like, I'm very competitive. So it's like, okay, I actually beat last week. I did all right. Yeah. And we're all good. Everybody's happy, you know. My kids, they got what they want. I got what I want. And we're good. So every week I try to keep it and it keeps me accountable as well.
1: I noticed you, you, you don't have, um, you, you kind of, all your rules are broken uh, in, in the day because you insist on, one treat in the day, which is, which I would concur with, which is a half decent cup of coffee to start your day. Yeah. That, that is your... Yeah.
9: But I have, I do cash envelopes. So that's another way as well. If you put cash in an envelope and you go into a supermarket, you can only spend the cash that you have in Oh, that's that really good. You know, yeah. I do those a lot because I, what happened before I started budgeting, they knew me, like, you know, <laughs> I'd walk in and they... I would just go. Okay, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this. I had no concept really. Were you tapping,
1: t- tapping like tapping, fetus, tapping, fetus But then they
9: say you don't have enough money in your account. Oh, no, <laughs> like oh, you no. know, and yeah. it's uh, it happened too many times. Yeah. Like I didn't have money, you know. It happened too many times, and now I just won't do it without cash because it keeps me conscious. I'm not gonna go off my meal, my shopping list now because
1: if it's not there, you can't. It's spend not it.
9: there, you know.
1: I, have you any advice, uh, a frustrated wife? Says, uh, when you have a shopaholic husband, I'm I'm quite good at saving and sticking to a budget, but he seems addicted to going into a shop every day looking for things to buy online. I would love to hear Santa say uh, give me help or advice. So um, that's going like in an online, emotional problem.
9: Yeah, so that's emotional spending. I think sometimes it's I I actually have a lot of people that just we just talk and they talk about emotional spending. They spend, you know, which is what I did. But you probably need to have an honest conversation and add up and say to him, well, this is actually where the money is going. You know, when people love hard figures and if you say, you know, the last month you spent a thousand euro, we could have gone, the whole family could have gone on a holiday for this. We could have gotten somebody in to paint the house that you don't like painting. You know, (laughs) you could have done a load of things there. Um, And you're
1: buying kind of junk. yeah,
9: Yeah. And I think as well. You don't want to say to him, don't buy, maybe give him not an allowance. I give myself an allowance. I have, I call it um my self-care fund. So I could spend on coffee if I want. I can yeah. go and buy whatever I want in that fund because it's budgeted for. Yes. So maybe let him have his self-care fund so he can have what he wants as well. But it's within budget.
1: Uh, you are the perfect uh, Co-presenter with Conor of, of a new TV show Called The Price of Everything Which starts on Thursday night At 7 o'clock Congratulations I was delighted <laughs> When I saw the ads For that on TV I said there she is again She's doing great
9: <laughs> My mom is saying the same But Connor is just brilliant And I've Good. been such A huge fan of him
1: Yeah you would Because you speak The yes. same language You I speak was, fluent I was, uh, Price I was a watch. secret
9: stalker <laughs> Oh
1: great, great.
9: Um, For quite a while I, used to, I loved his tips And I know a lot of people In the Deaf free community Love Connor. I said it to him He's like like, what yeah.
1: the <laughs> debt free community I, yeah I, like, that, that's it your Instagram which really is where it's all happening as yeah. well is the Caribbean dub
9: the Caribbean dub the Caribbean dub <laughs>
1: which re- refers to Montserrat isn't really yes, where it all began I and now Donny Carney. Still in Donny Carney?
9: Um, I'm in Clare Hall now. So okay, Clare Hall, I'm coming for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Santis, I always love seeing you. You're great fun. Um, how's your mammy?
9: She's grand. She goes, make sure you tell Ryan I said hello. And I tell said, oh, her I said God. hello. Yeah, I, don't, I don't like being the middle person here. <laughs> no, it's,
1: it's fine. She's a wonderful human being and uh, she, it was a pleasure to meet her once upon a time. And It's always good to see you. Santis O'Garrow. good luck with everything. Great Thank to see you. you. So love much. to the children and... We'll see you soon. I hope.
9: Thank you. It's
1: seven minutes to ten. So, welcome, Lucy Easthope, to the program. Lucy, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us.
4: Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, Liverpool. Absolutely. Thank you for the song.
1: Uh, are we okay with that, or is it a bit of a hackneyed uh, tune for you now as a Liverpoolian?
4: Not at all. I I can't hear it enough.
1: Oh, good. Okay. So you you were happy to 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 nod your head to that as?
4: Oh, definitely. You... Yes. Good.
1: Uh, congratulations on your book, "When the Dust Settles: uh, Stories of Love, Loss, and Hope from an Expert in Disaster." And let me let me ask you to to bring the listeners with us here into the room with your job description, if you can. Yes.
4: Yeah, so I work in a field called disaster planning. So we plan for if a disaster occurs, we respond when it happens. And then in my particular part of the role, I very much think about afterwards and a lot of my work is with um, the bereaved and the survivors and the communities affected.
1: It is the most pe- peculiar job if, if, if that's, the well that's not the right word, but let's go with that for the moment because as you say, you help to run investigations, build mortuaries, oversee identification and burials and personal effects and repatriations. You describe it rather pithily as a Cinderella service sweeping up below the stairs.
4: Absolutely. And people just don't know about it. You know, there's a huge community of emergency planners and disaster planners right there in Ireland. You know, you have a a strong history of it and an emergency management institute, Ireland, that that protects and and trains those those professionals. But people just don't know it's there. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I love I love coming to Ireland. And you have um, three uh, universities um, that uh, support people, but particularly Dublin City is one of the yeah. world's centres of excellence for disaster management training. And people just don't know necessarily that it's happening. And so the book was about really shining a light on uh, not just a hidden world, but a place of incredible, um, I think, hope and industry. You know, people are working all the time to help communities.
1: Okay, we we've got to go to some pretty ghoulish places here. Uh, we'll do it in a second but I just was intrigued by uh, little you, young you. Um, <laughs> you know, growing up and, you know, 11 years old looking at the news. I, I've kind of, I definitely felt a kindred spirit with you because I would have been a bit like that as a kid look, looking at the news and 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 wondering why, who, what, where, when and the big connections with history. So, it was the Hillsborough disaster. You were 11 years old. It's 1989 As a Liverpool native You're looking at this Thinking what? 11 years old
4: I'm just I'm just appalled you know I'm very much absorbing the pain of people who were at the game I wasn't at the game but I was in a class with uh, several young boys who were at the game and I'm absorbing that that pain and that frustration and then what gets a lot worse as, as of course we know is that the community uh, affected by the disaster are then sort of blamed for it and I think uh, you know one of the earliest memories I have is is my dad sort of shouting at the telly a very proud scouser and you know that somebody needed to sort this and I very much Took that as a directive and became a, a child activist, and I've I've met many of those actually since I've you know I've worked in disasters all my life and uh, since then, and I, I've met many children who go on to focus on things like law and politics and community work and social justice um, because of their early experiences.
1: So where do you get from an interest in this as a child, uh, writing to government ministers, writing to Mother Teresa? Um, going to lectures about Chernobyl um, as a youngster, um, then getting into this the, the job you described a few minutes ago.
4: Yeah, so I decided to study law. You know, I was going to change this system from within. I was going to protect families. I was going to make sure that the bereaved and the deceased, so a huge part of my work has been coronial law and the care of the deceased. I was going to change the system from within. So I did a law degree, and then I got a position at a firm that, that few people know about, really, which is a private disaster management firm that's called by governments and armies and companies when the worst happens. And all of a sudden, I'm working on the response to 9 from Britain, um, we were sending teams over, and it was my job to manage those teams. Okay,
1: we'll go to 9-11 in a moment, but I want to get a kind of a broader sense, if I can, Lucy, of which you write so you you by the way, you write really, really well on this. It's so engaging. And you say, you know, I look for the doorway to hell. Um, and you've got Jay, your driver that you use, who get who's who's got a particular skill in getting closer to the t- to the to the police tape than anyone else. You're listening to what, what are you listening to on your iPod as part of your ritual and what are you looking to what do you find yourself doing as you approach any scene
4: yeah, so I've always used music as a soundtrack. Actually, it was a very early coping skill. Uh, I remember chatting to the screenwriter Jimmy McGovern about it. That you, you know, you, he always thinks of the soundtrack for is is very powerful productions first, and and music's always been so important. So I play things like uh, Eminem and Kanye, or I might I also use a few a few show tunes, hmm. uh, even a bit of Jerry Marsden. Right. And uh, My favourite one at the moment is I have the Blood Brothers soundtrack on for those of the fan of the Liverpool musical, yeah. and it just sort of gets you you in the mood for what you're going to have to do and, and what you're going to have to see.
1: What's the music, you see it gets you in the mood, like a show tune or Kanye, there's a big difference there obviously, but what is the music doing to your your neurons?
4: I think it's just, it's that, it's a very sort of primitive feel, isn't it? Music's really important and Mm. it's really important for people at the moment actually who are feeling quite drained and exhausted by the pandemic. One of the fast things that we do with disaster responders and disaster survivors is ask them to come up with their playlist that's going to get them through this week. So, you know, one of the things I'm really, really important is the ability to turn on a a tune really loud (laughs) and uh, that's one of the coping strategies we use actually, so... All, all, all credit to the, uh, to the radio shows for allowing us to do that.
1: All right, so you listen to your music, uh, yeah. you get out of the car, you've got a rucksack or a wheelie, a wheelie suitcase. I was going to say wheelie bin, but you definitely don't have that. You have a wheelie <laughs> suitcase. And you're looking for the doorway to hell, as we described. Tell me about that, that uh, approach to that doorway and, and what you're A, looking for and, and B, what you expect to see.
4: Yeah, so one thing about the book is we're, we're really shining a light on a, on a world that people don't understand, so I'm not a responder. So one of the points about really making it clear that it's a bit of a, a step into that place is I've got to make the case for why I'm there, so I'm usually called in by the police or by the coroner, but I'm not a blue light responder. And you know that when you go into that world, you're going to see something very different. So in a, in a few instances, that's the scene, but usually for me, it's either the, the mortuary or particularly uh, graphic I talk about what's called the personal effects warehouse, which is where we keep um, the items from the scene and uh, retrieve from the deceased, which uh, my work has often been to try and protect those and get them returned to the families, which uh, is something that uh, many families have uh, experience of, both with uh, you know major incidents, but also um, any sudden loss.
1: You you you're you're, you're, you're uh, a very straight shooting approach to uh, dead bodies. You say I've never been afraid of the dead. I think of them as my kin, and you talk about the beauty of decomposition.
4: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: talk to me a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, and I think, you know, my work over the years has been, for- been formed by so many different disciplines um, and there's a sort of spiritual element to it. And I work with, um, with a lot of religious leaders after disaster and also with people like forensic anthropologists. And so you are put into situations with sudden death where you see the body in quite damaged situations. And I've always, I think, just been able to uh, empathise with perhaps uh, what I'm seeing and then make arrangements in the same way as, you know, there's a long history of, of the care of, of, of small relics and remains. Mm. Make arrangements for the families to have those back. And that's been one of my, my proudest jobs. But it's it, it is very, very hidden, you know, and, and people people are very curious about it, but they don't they don't always understand the pride that, that we take.
1: Yeah, you were you were talking about the nine eleven attacks. I wanna go there for a moment because it was recently not too recently, but at the the, the museum at the, the site of the Ground Zero where part of the things they show there now are bits of seatbelt and maybe papers that came out of some of the buildings and it's, it's eerie but it's all part of these are kind of the sort of things you'd be looking at but in, in the case of a disaster like this you're looking for personal effects rather than something else that I've just described so talk to me about your 9-11 experience and what your involvement was there.
4: So, I was responsible for sending British teams out to work at the site and the mortuary, retrieving yeah. exactly those ob- objects that you describe. And they're very similar to what you, you describe there. The 9 11 attacks were the first time we'd had a, a forensic operation on this scale, and a promise had been made to return every possible part to a loved one and that resulted in a in, in over 22,000 body parts so uh, the office of chief medical examiner hired a, a private contractor and uh, to support them and we supplied both equipment and teams and that was a, an ongoing rolling operation and that that was probably one of the first major insights into how much work goes into the the aftermath of caring for the deceased and their remains but also the negotiations that you're doing with the bereaved and the survivors and people people just don't don't think about that. but there's a huge comfort I think about knowing that there's people like me who who do. So that that was the first big test of that, I think.
1: There, there was a scene you talk about and it's not unrelated to 9/11 but it's 7/7 which wasn't too, too far after and very close to home where you are and indeed to where we are. And the Metropolitan Police as you as you recall, began to allow survivors to say goodbye to their limbs. Um, I don't want to be prurient and I don't want to be hurtful or, or distasteful but this is a fact of life and this is a fact of your job.
4: Absolutely. And this is what I call the bricolage, you know, the hidden work that goes on. And um, these are all people you know that, that we have to think about when we're working. Um, and I, you know, I use that story I think as an example of the consideration that's been given behind closed doors. It's also an example of how we've we've evolved and changed over over years. You know, things like battlefield and disaster um, honesty. We're much more transparent now with people. Hopefully, we don't always get it right still, but hopefully, we'll tell people what we found and what we might be able to do with with them. And um, you know, many. Many of, of, of the colleagues that I work with over the years, they've had to explain things that are incredibly difficult to families, um, but you learn to be very transparent and open about that. So those stories help me explain, you know, the work that goes into to talking to a family about that. And I hope we've been able to bring some comfort there.
1: And did you get much uptake in that? Did people want to say goodbye to body parts or to try and make that connection? Or did they were they repulsed by the idea?
4: So we see different reactions from different course, groups. Yeah. So living living um, survivors will often, um, you know, uh, take part in that. You know, it's a, it's not dissimilar to other examples of, of of medical procedures. You know, where people have amputations, for example. With with the dead, um, what it taught me was that um, we what's so important is individual choice if we can, and that's probably one of the overwhelming lessons from from my book. Is however big the disaster, try and keep individual choice as a possibility. And we've lost that a little bit with the pandemic. You know, there were blanket policies on what was possible. And we may even see it with things like the refugees that people think, you know, one policy fits all. And the most important thing is to weigh up your options, which is something that I do, look at the resources needed, Mm -hmm. and then sit with families to explain what might be possible.
1: One of the other aspects of your job that I found fascinating was the returning of personal effects uh, to to the families of the deceased. And again, back to the Met Police, at one point they had this, they went through a phase of wrapping items in recycled paper that had been pulped with wildflowers. People will be familiar with this type of box or paper. Uh, Tell me why that didn't work.
4: Yeah, so it's one of those examples of where um, you know uh, people will think of something that's lovely, and then the disaster planners come in and go, "Are you sure?" You know, and there's a lot of that in my career. So we tend to advise a, or I tend to advise a very plain um, cardboard box. But the Metropolitan Police wanted to use something a bit more fancy, and it was it was a, a sort of artisan box with with pulped red and 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 green flowers. And the families interpreted that that when they got the box, there was bits of of blood and ash in the box. So it's things like. Just trying to, you know, trying to perceive how things might land. Um, and um, again, I think there's a, there's a huge comfort from thinking about, um, you know, there's somebody thinking about how this will be returned. I do talk about in the book, you know, sometimes things are just returned in a black bin bag or in an evidence mm. bag. And, you know, I really try and fight that. That's much worse.
1: The 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 letters. I mean, this is again something. You know, watching the 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 war in Ukraine and the coverage of it. I I don't know if you feel the same way, Lucy. But but watching the, the, the digging trenches or um, you know ringing their mothers. War is war. Uh, century in, century out. It could be ancient Rome. It could be World War Two. It could be Ukraine, twenty twenty two. And I was struck by. The emphasis you put on letters, if you, if you wouldn't mind talking to me through this a little.
4: Uh, yeah, so I refer to letters at, at several points in the book. And one of those is that when we, um, when we were repatriating uh, the soldiers from Iraq, um, one of the things they weren't supposed to do was have identifying items with them, but they kept their letters from home in their underwear. And the first um, couple of uh, repatriations, there was a danger that those were being thrown away. So I made a very fast representation that we'd be allowed to keep those and um, return them to the families. And that I don't always you know, get to hear the story afterwards, I don't always get the feedback, but in that case I've seen several widows actually on news programmes talk about what it meant to know that their loved one had received the letter. And so um, we th- they just looked like little tiny scrunched up pieces of paper, um, but we were able to um, dry them out and uh, preserve them and return them. And that's the essence of personal effects. You don't, you don't know what will mean something to, to somebody. Uh, and often it's the very, very non-expensive um, items. It's the chewed biro. In the 9-11 museum that you talk about, there's a, a till receipt that shows that so, somebody had breakfast, and it, it means the world to that mother because she knows at least the son had breakfast on that day. Those are the sorts of things that I return, and um, they, they bring huge comfort.
1: You, you, you speak with, with a great heart, about situations that have often been caused by great heartlessness um, or stupidity or cruelty. So how do you manage to, to marry those parts of your brain to, to, to not get too close and yet to want to um, make sure that the people of the families of the deceased have something full of heart in, in their lives after the event?
4: That's a lovely description. Thank you very much. It is. It is difficult. That's when the really big show tunes come out. You know, to keep <laughs> oh, it going. Lord. You're into it Hamilton, is, then, are you? <laughs> it am um, <laughs> time. All, it, you know, the, 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 when you're into the, all the the musicals, you know, it, it's getting tough. Okay. It is very difficult, but it's there's so much hope. And the thing is about about disaster planning. We we always see the very best of people, as well as as well as the very worst, and that's what keeps us going.
1: Mm. Um, I I want to mention briefly uh, Grenfell because that 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 really uh, story you know, it's it, not that it hit home here, but it certainly f- featured in our news coverage, and it was so upsetting, and it struck me that you you know you talk about Iraq, you talk about seven seven, you talk about nine eleven, you talk about all these different places and and scenes you've seen, but I get the sense that Grenfell really might might have even got under your skin.
4: They all they all leave their, their mark, but Grenfell, as you say, very much fits with your last question. It was a you know a complete systemic failure, and I think really for, for English disaster planners, it was our darkest day. We were we were devastated by both the fact that it had even happened, but also um, that we we weren't allowed to bring our best tools and skills to the job. It was incredibly difficult to respond to that disaster, and um, I. Um, I'm in awe of that community and and that's what I also do with the book is I make it very clear you know for the people of North Kensington that disaster is as acute today as it was five years ago and they need as much support as as they did then and um, these disasters don't go anywhere that's the overwhelming point they ebb and they flow and they have good days and maybe there's a day to smile but like all types of bereavement and terrible pain the community's struggle goes on so I hope the book shines a bit of a light on that mm, it does. Um, but they inspire me the community of North Kensington
1: Amazing My, my last point to you is, is one um, I'm echoing a point you make yourself in the book you describe yourself as a pessimistic optimist uh, on this the the 30th of March 2022 where does the scale tip towards is it pessimism or optimism?
4: Well we balance it completely all the time so you know we're already looking ahead to some dark times it's a very difficult time economically you mentioned Ukraine we've got a lot to manage there but you've also seen when we when we originally planned for the pandemic and that's in there too we couldn't we couldn't dare to believe that communities would be as brilliant as they had. We, we hoped they would and we had a lot of research to suggest they would but to see what we've been able to do for each other and as neighbours. Um, so it, I'm optimistic about my fellow neighbour and, and I continue to be hopefully pessimistic and you need people like me because we're ahead of the game and at local level as I say you have a very strong disaster planning mm. community and please celebrate them and find more more out about them.
1: Yeah, the final comment comes from a listener who says this conversation is fascinating I'm sure it's comforting for for the families of the dead to know that someone is thinking of them and the link and connection that they have with their loved ones and making sure that there is an honouring of their people. What a beautiful person uh, that is referring to you, Lucy. um, Will you come and see us in Dublin next time you're in town? I'd love to have a a longer chat with you. Yeah, let's do that. Yes, A pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Congratulations on your wonderfully insightful book.
4: Thank you very much.
1: All of it. that's uh, Lucy Easthope joining us uh, this morning and the book is called When the Dust Settles. uh, The Stories of Love, Loss and Hope from an expert in disaster and as you can tell from uh, listening to Lucy there, she she's an extraordinarily interesting person and her job is, is uh, while it might be a little grisly or ghoulish, it's certainly one that has uh, a great streak of kindness and and uh, heart running through it. And as Silead Moriarty, a great Irish author, uh, was on to say, I loved uh, Lucy's book and just chose it for the Must Read Spring Book Club. A uh, fascinating career, she says, her compassion for the victims of disaster and trauma shines through. Well said, Sinead. Hope you're well today. It's 16 minutes or well. Pretty much a quarter to ten. And at uh, 9.33, it's great to have your company this Thursday morning. Jade McCormick, good morning. Good morning, Ryan. Jeez, you're full of beans. Uh, <laughs> now, what uh, did you... Uh, why why do we share the little story you told me just a minute ago when you came in? Um, <laughs> I Years ago, what happened?
10: So, I think it was around 2013, mm-hmm. um... I had not been in Dublin very long and I was walking up Grafton Street after a singing lesson Mm -hmm. and I had a guide dog at the time and I was working her and it was very busy so I was kind of just, you know, I kept walking and next thing I hear, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And my friend said, Do you know who just Bumped into you And I said No Should I And she said It was Ryan Tubberly. And I went No it wasn't And she said It was It genuinely was She said Why didn't you stop And say hello to him Yeah why didn't you Stop and say hello Because I was working my dog
1: Yeah okay So I Sorry I bumped into you You didn't bump into me Can we make this clear That I'm the one Who wasn't looking Where I was going Is that what happened
10: That's what happened
1: Do you know how much Of a fool I feel now I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. I'm not one who's an idiot. Uh, which dog? What was the dog?
10: So the dog's name was Yanni. She's still alive. She's 14 and has been retired since 2018.
1: I'm interested in, in the terminology used there, Jade. You were working your dog. What does that mean? Was S- you training it in? or No.
10: So um, what I mean by working the dog is she was in her working equipment. So she had her harness on and I was holding yeah. the handle and walking down the street. So she was guiding me around all the people and obstacles and um, things like okay. that. So I wouldn't bump into anybody or bump into anything.
1: Unless a lanky fool <laughs> uh, bumps you're not into the only you. one
10: that has bumped into me and I'm sure you won't be the last. No, I know, but you would
1: think <laughs> given that you're there with probably a high vis jacket on the dog, Nanny, and yeah. you know, and and you walking along by that I might, you know, spot such a thing. Well and- she
10: she to be fair, and I'll I'll give you your credit, she was tiny. Um she was very small, like she was just a little below my knee. she, She was very small and I've been on trains and buses and people would often say to me, sorry, can you move your bag?
1: You're your four <laughs> legged bag.
10: It's a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Your, your bag's very happy. And and his tail like, is wagging.
10: Oh, you see, she used to just lie at my feet in a ball, and people would be, Can you move your bag? I'm like, It's a guide dog. Oh, I'm so sorry.
1: Uh, yeah, that, that's a very discreet guide dog you have there.
10: <laughs> yeah, she was very good.
1: Jade, I need to know all about you. So um, give us an idea of who you are and where you're from and um, a bit of background.
10: So I'm originally from a place called Fermoy in County Cork.
1: Oh, sure we know it well.
10: Um, and I grew up there, and I've lived in Dublin, I think, nine years now. Mm-hmm. Um moved up originally um just because I wanted to change the scenery and all that yeah. kind of thing. And Never what were left. you
1: what were you into as a as a child?
10: Everything. Really? Um I loved and still love music, um technology. Yeah. Uh cooking.
1: Oh good, you've got a it's a bit of everything <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, reading. let's talk about uh, the music. What what are you into?
10: Everything and anything. Uh. Um as long as it's not rap music, I, I can't.
1: Can't go there. No, I can't. What, and what's, I, I what's respect I
10: respect rap artists, but my ears are very delicate.
1: <laughs> and it's just too much, is it? It's just too much. Not even Kanye West or no, something. No I can't. Or can say yay, I should say. Uh, none no. of that. Okay, so what's your like Desert Island music? What, what, what if what's love, what's a definite?
10: So I absolutely love like old sixties music. Good. Uh, <laughs> um Irish traditional um folk music. Yeah, lovely. Um and I'm going to go out on a limb here. Do it, do it, do it. And my guilty pleasure is Nathan Carter. Right. There's nothing guilty about that. The great
1: Nathan Carter.
10: Yeah, I've seen him loads of times, more times than I can count. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he'd be a guilty pleasure of mine.
1: I love that you say you've seen him.
10: Yeah, so I suppose people always get wrapped up in the terminology of how yeah. can you see him if you can't see? Yeah. But I'm still allowed to use those phrases. Um, Are you? I st- yeah. I Who still said Believe so? it or not, I I can't
1: am. believe it. I thought there might be something in the Constitution.
10: Yeah. No, so we, like, just because I can't see, um, it doesn't mean that I don't use the same terms yeah. of phrase or, you know, and I have a little bit of sight. Um, I think um, in the article that came out a couple of weeks ago, I said, it's not enough to read a page of print, but it's enough that I can make out my surroundings and know that I'm say in a building or you know I'm not going to put myself in danger
1: It's also wouldn't it be weird if you said you went to a Nathan Garter Nathan Carter gig Nathan Carter gig is totally different the show. if you went to a Nathan Carter gig and, and said to your friends yeah I I went to hear a Nathan you know <laughs> yeah,
10: yeah. like I sat in the front row with the dog one time we went to the INEC in Killarney mm-hmm. and the staff there were superb they changed my seats and I got the front row and I thought this is amazing.
1: Yeah, and you were in heaven then.
10: I was in heaven, but of course we were up and dancing and he shook my grandfather's hand because just because he wore a Liverpool jersey.
1: See, he's like that, isn't he? He's, he's, kind, of, he's kind of, he likes to other people yeah, that way. But yeah, but then
10: um, they asked if I'd like to meet him afterwards and of course I went, yes. And he was like, oh, I love your dog. Like, no, how are you? Nothing. Just, I love your dog. Your dog's cool. I was like, Thanks.
1: See, that's what happens when you have a beautiful dog and takes all the attention away from you. She and does.
10: And now it's my daughter, so.
1: Oh, OK. Well, let's talk about all of this. I need to know about um, how you met Andy, if you don't mind.
10: So in 2012.
1: Mm-hmm. How old are you? Do you mind me I'm asking? I'm 30. This? Oh, 30. OK, yeah. great. So
10: in 2012, a mutual friend said, um, I have to ring this guy. And... Uh, she rang him and she, he was on loudspeaker and I said, he sounds nice. Mm-hmm. So I obviously wouldn't go by looks. I would go by how somebody sounds or how they come across, you know, personality wise. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh yeah, I think he's single. But nothing ever came of it. And then an, another friend of mine said, oh, he's lovely. And um, said, add him on Facebook. So I did that and he we were messaging back and forward and then he's like, oh, I presume, would you like to meet? And I was kind of saying, well, Okay. Let's do it, mm-hmm. and then we met up. And where did you meet? We met in Dublin. Um, we met out in Chapel Lizard, as it happens. Yeah. Uh, through mutual friends.
1: So let me ask the the big clunky questions about <laughs> your you know with your eyesight the way it is. Are you are you are, do you describe yourself as blind?
10: Uh, or is no. There, is there so, a term I need to I use? I have low vision.
1: Okay, so you're a low vision person, yeah. Um, and you say, okay, I'll see you at one o'clock at this place. <laughs> yeah. How, how does that work with with uh, you know Andy the people then? Ask me that. How yeah. do
10: blind people meet each other? Well, I'm dying to know. I really, <laughs> so, I'm curious. Is it okay to ask of you? Of course. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm 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 not uh, averse to questions. Oh, good on you. Um. So what we did was we had arranged to meet at a particular building. Um. So uh, it was Madigan's on Abbey Street. Mm-hmm. Um, where we met first, and. We'd said go inside and you know I'll I'll hear you. He said I'll hear you. So I thought Grant he was late. I thought he's not coming. How will he hear you? So next thing I heard him as it happens. I heard the cane like um he used a white stick at the time. And oh, I'm, he's
1: also blind. Yes. Oh, hang on. You did that's a bit of detail. <laughs> oh,
10: okay, sorry. Oh, come on.
1: <laughs> so you know your story. For you're only sharing it with a few heads here. So. Oh, so sorry, yeah, he was okay. You knew that obviously before I knew this. The, yeah. So you'd hear that the cane so hitting I the ground. So I
10: heard the cane coming. Okay, gotcha. Um, it, 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 he has a white stick that has a roller tip, so it was rolling. So it kind of sounds like a suitcase, okay. um, if, like if, your if you, dog. Like the Dog snoring. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> but he I comes. had the dog at the time, so I heard the cane coming, and I said to my friend, "Is that him?" And she said, oh, "He said oh, I think so." Like it was his friend that had introduced us. So he said, oh, "I think it's him." And he turns up and he's like, Paul, how are you? So he'd obviously recognized his own friend's voice okay. and was chatting to him. And then um, Paul said, Well, Jade's here. Do you want to say hello to her? And, and he was like, Oh, hi. The two of us were kind of you know, very shy, very awkward. Yeah. So we had agreed to meet again on our own. And we met under the clock at Cleary's. Old school. Yeah, old school. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay. Like a style.
10: And he got me lost. He said he knew O'Connell Street, he knew Dublin you know, I'll bring you back to Houston, no bother. I didn't know Dublin, bear this in mind. I had never really been up before. And he's like, I'll get you back on the Lewis, but he got me lost. Okay. And I said, did you do this on purpose to get me to miss my train? (laughs) He said, no, I didn't, I swear. And then he asked me out on the Lewis.
1: Okay. Okay. I think he may. That, that, of that, that, all that. the places
10: to ask somebody yeah. out, on the Lewis. On the Lewis.
1: <laughs> just, I just, just love the idea that you missed the train. I'm, I'm, I yeah, did I, miss I, my I train. feel that was a move on yeah, his part.
10: Yeah. D- well, considering that I had to get the train back to Mallow and then have somebody pick me up in Mallow. Yeah. That phone call to say um, I missed my train. I'm yeah. gonna be on the next one. <laughs> considering I hadn't mentioned to my family that I was meeting somebody because if it didn't work out, I didn't want the pressure of. Who is he? What's his name? Yeah,
1: yeah. Who is he? When are you get married? Uh, yeah. Okay. The date. These dates obviously went well. Um. What What was the spark? What What were the talking points? Uh, where was the love?
10: Um. We both have a very uh, passionate interest in music. Great. Um. He sings in lots of choirs. Um. And is, is an all around good singer. I'll give him that.
1: Well, that's decent of you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 did you have other stories to share?
10: Uh. I'm not allowed. <laughs> oh, you had personal
1: stories. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, okay. About, about yeah. give, can we kind of rough themes that you might have been told about?
10: Um, I suppose we like we've done a lot of travel together, and okay. um, oh he he's great for like he he's he's the one for slagging himself. Yeah. So he'll say, "Oh, I bet you didn't see that one coming."
1: Okay, so it's all these. The or meth- he'll say like,
10: "Oh, let's get blind drunk." Okay, you know, he's very like. Um, he'd say, oh, yeah, we met and sure. They say love is blind. Well, in our case, it's true. And it's yeah. like, oh, my God, just, just stop. stop.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I love him already. because I'm, I'm, <laughs> It's I'm, cringeworthy. I'm, like,
10: just stop.
1: That's that's perfect description. And it's pun-tastic. And I love that. Yeah. Um, and it is the ultimate blind date, though, isn't it? The, the pair of you. It uh, was. It was yeah, uh, yeah. at the time. Uh, Andy, was he born without sight? He or? was. So okay. he
10: has a condition called Leber's amaurosis. He has what's called light perception. Mm-hmm. Um. So where I have some vision that I can kind of make out my surroundings, he just sees light. Like he can tell you if it's sunny, um, not just by feeling the heat, but the light would drive his eyes crazy.
1: Is the uh the idea? Let's take personalities aside because you've got obviously buckets of personality. So I I don't know Andy, but I presume he is he's pretty much the same. Take personality aside, um it, it, are there easier places to go for people with such low vision for a date than say somebody with perfect vision?
10: Um I think it's personal preference. So for me, I will always pick places where the staff know me, where the staff are good to me. Really? Uh yes. Um where I kind of know my way around the place, um, so I will always pick places that I'm familiar with.
1: Can you name some places where the staff are brilliant?
10: Um, so our local, um, in Balbriggan, so the Harvest Inn, they're great, they are fantastic. Great,
1: well, I love giving credit to them, yeah, and, you know, where they're it's due. brilliant.
10: Um, like it, it's got to the stage where the chef is even like, Oh, is that for Jade and Andy?
1: Oh. <laughs> Jane and Andy I even feel like there's a, Jan- a Jandy I, Oh he I, yeah. says that He said I knew he wanted it's, it's a matter of time You're that's one of those couples Where no, the chef knows Yeah
10: So like Because He'll kill me for saying this mm-hmm. But Andy will go to a restaurant And If he wants a dish And he knows it's going to be messy But he really wants it He'll say Would you mind asking the chef To put that in a bowl And can I have a spoon
1: Okay well that's you know, He knows what he wants He knows his mind um, you, you got married uh, what Unfortunately. Was your, what was your first come on?
10: <laughs> Stop.
1: What was your first dance? I'm always interested in that.
10: Um oh god. What was it? Oh
1: really. And here's the music. Eric Clatton,
10: one. Tears, uh, no, not Tears in Heaven. The way, he looked, oh, yeah, the way you tonight. looked Oh,
1: wonderful tonight. That's the one. Yeah. And that's it, darling. You yeah. look wonderful. So the tonight. story behind
10: that was when Andy got his first dog, Nico, yeah. um, back in 2014. Mm-hmm. I went to visit him because I wanted to meet Nico. I'm a sucker for dogs. I love dogs. And I I wanted to meet Nico before Nico came home. So I went and I met him and there was this lad, I can't for the life of me remember his name, but he was playing guitar and singing to a group of blind people in Irish Guide Dogs. And he picked this song and myself and Andy just collapsed into a fit of hysterics. Why? <laughs> because we were like, you know, he's, he's singing this song to a load of blind people. Like you look wonderful tonight. Yeah, okay, yeah. God, oh, that took
1: me a minute. Oh, that's so, funny. So, so you got the giggles at the back of the class. We
10: were sitting oh, right in front great. of him laughing. <laughs> And he was kind of like, I don't, I don't get it. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, yeah. it's just funny that you sing this to a group of blind yeah. people. Of
1: all the songs, <laughs> you've got the look. Stop singing songs about visual. Anyway, I get it, and you saw the humor in it. And we then did, yeah. Let me ask you. It was a fairly serious question in some ways, but when you were told you were uh, going to be expecting a child, how did you feel?
10: My first reaction was, I can't do this.
1: Was that, I can't was do that a this. serious reaction?
10: It was very serious. I remember that the. the So I magnify things using my phone and I remember doing the pregnancy test sitting in the bathroom so I wouldn't wake anybody. So my sister was living with us at the time. I remember sitting in the bathroom I think it was like six o'clock in the morning and I turned on the light magnified it with my phone and the plus sign just slapped me in the face Mm. and I went I can't do this. Why not? I just thought like both of us are visually well I'm low vision and Andy is blind and I went like that's tricky enough to navigate in itself mm-hmm. add a child into the mix I can't do this and then I remember going to the doctor she confirmed it and I was like I have to tell somebody because I, I can't do this so I told my sister she was in college and studying in Maynooth at the time and she was like you can do this I was like no I can't and she said, you can you will do this I am having a niece okay <laughs> or a nephew at the time because we didn't know yeah and i was like oh god i'm gonna i'm gonna have to move home to cork i need my mammy it was just one of those i need yeah. my mammy instances yeah yeah, <laughs> you know?
1: yeah no i know what you mean
10: so i was like oh, i i need to move home to cork but unfortunately the public transport and the you know sort of getting around mobility wise being independent in that small town isn't really possible and there's only like one bus to the city or one bus to dublin like okay. you can't go anywhere else so I thought. No, I think I'm better in Dublin, where I can do things myself. Let's just see how this goes.
1: So you got your head around it, and you had a baby.
10: Uh, we had a, a baby. A human
1: baby girl, child. <laughs> yes. called... Her name is
10: Sive Lily. Ah,
1: <laughs> congratulations! That was two years ago. Two and a
10: half years ago. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And she's a little diva.
1: Now you're, you're. I think for when people become a mum or dad for the first time, um, in in it, it, it it's it's crazy world to live in
10: I don't think it matters whether you're blind deaf there is that it, it doesn't matter it's overwhelming you're filled with this oh my god I made this thing I'm responsible for this yeah
1: you had slightly more con- uh, to be worried about I was, let's face it um, I was
10: very ready I, like I, I knew by the time I went to the hospital and I spoke to the nurses and the midwives and you know I knew I was like okay I can do this I, I'm I'm ready for this yeah. I can do this they were all so supportive and so good. I thought, okay, this is gonna be easy. And then she came along and everything just changes. You forget about the I can't do this. And I always say your sort of your maternal instinct kicks in, and you just go with the flow. You just when, listen when, to her cues. You When you, you
1: like, held her for the first time, think about that moment for a second. What how much of her could you see and what did you feel physically and emotionally?
10: I just remember feeling so tired like she I remember my first reaction was oh my god she's here (laughs) Mm. because I was in labour all day and I just was like she's here so um, then I had asked for skin to skin so they put her on my chest and I remember feeling oh my god she's mine like this little thing is mine and uh, physically all I remember feeling was her trying to get milk and I was like okay <laughs> mm. let's do this
1: <laughs> welcome to the rest of your life yeah yeah.
10: so yeah that was that and, and that was that she's, she's a very independent child like she's not a very sit on your lap for snuggles all day you know she she's not that child how,
1: how do you how does it work in terms of the house and you know as you say regardless of what height, sight or hearing you have it's quite hard when a baby grows. Yes, and yeah. makes makes its presence felt around the house. Did you have to do extra special or different really. things?
10: So I've always been a bit of a neat freak. Um, I like things in a place. Everything has to be tidy. I'm I'm just like that. <laughs> um, okay. So what we did was we kind of worked on a system of, uh, you know, we'd get to listen to her and like we had dogs in the house and you know we just kind of learned to hear her and she'd make little noises and then she started crawling and I thought oh no Mm. here comes the problems so all I did was I am Disney obsessed so I got rid of all my like ornaments and things like that and I was like okay they're going in a box and probably never more to be seen yeah not in her mouth (laughs) yeah yeah not that, just so she wouldn't like knock them over or break them and we wouldn't see it.
1: Oh, don't worry about her, her choking herself yeah. on, on, on on a, on a, on a, on a toy uh, Snow White. Yeah. You just don't want it cracked.
10: Yeah, I don't want it broken. You can see your
1: priorities are interesting, Jade. Yeah. They, they interest me.
10: Oh, but um, she's she's never, like she's always been a very curious baby. So, like we'd always leave toys in reach that she, yeah. you know, could get herself and we always bought kind of noisy toys.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
10: Um, So that we could hear them and her favourite toy to this day is a goofy teddy bear that she got for Easter last year and he doesn't get let out of her sight.
1: There you go. You never quite know what toy a child will gravitate towards yeah, that goofy becomes and the one.
10: My sister bought her um like a comfort blanket yeah. with tags on it. And
1: she loves the tags. Tags. Yeah, I can understand that. Um she uh, is technology useful to you or is it very doesn't matter? It no, does, yeah. It,
10: I've always been a bit of a
1: Techno nerd for,
10: Yeah I okay. love technology Like if it's Assistive technology So if it You know will help me I want to know about it Yeah um, I want to hear about it I love like exploring things Like I was on a plane recently And you know The entertainment screen that, yes. That's in front of you Can I use this The answer No <laughs> Oh So Aer um, Lingus If you're listening I would like you to please make your entertainment screens accessible to blind people.
1: Yes, well, well, well <laughs> put out. No, that's fair enough. And you know what? They're they're generally very responsive in this regard. So I would say that uh, they might come back to you on that. Uh,
10: yeah, I I just remember like watching my two sisters on either side of me, and they're scrolling through their screens, and I'm sitting there yeah. going. OK. They're busy. You know? Well, they if they really call you, you, you,
1: you might be able to help them, tell them what, what, what it is that they can do. But that's for another conversation. Yeah. They, they <laughs> will find you. You work, you volunteer. With, do you volunteer with the Irish Guide dogs, dogs for the Blind?
10: Um, I fundraise for the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind. And I do some volunteer work with uh, the National Council for the Blind, which is, I think, how I ended up here. Ah, yeah, because
1: they have uh, anyone seeking uh, NCBI, countrywide yeah. services, can call them. There's a number. Yes,
3: 1800
1: 911 250 But always with these things, phone numbers are are, are grand. But you look at the website. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Just <laughs> said what I was about to say, and go there. Uh, uh, Philomena was on. Jade and Andy are one of the most inspirational couples I've ever met in my 33 years volunteering with the oh, Irish hi Guide Phil. You know, Phil, <laughs> love to them both, along with their beautiful daughter. I had the pleasure, says another from Margaret, of meeting Jade and Andy a few years ago. I was doing a photography project on how blind people, even though you said that's usually low vision, managed to get around the streets, which we take for granted. And Andy and a wonderful gentleman called Tom helped me out with this in Balbriggan. Wonderful to meet them. Great hearing about them both and their wonderful daughter. They were getting married the year I met them. Um, I've loved talking to you, Jade. I've got to go. I've got, I, but you're one of those people that I could really talk yeah. to for the morning about different things. So let's be friends and come and see us again oh, sometime. absolutely. Come and see us again sometime.
10: <laughs> I certainly will. Just
1: fell into that. You know what I mean? You can burst. If, 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 if Andy's here, you won't be laughing in my face. Um, love to sigh Give her a hug from... I will. Well, she probably doesn't know the toy man yet, but in due course.
10: Uh, did we put it on last year? We did. We, we put on the audio described version. May I just point that out? So Is that
1: okay for you? Yes. Oh, thank
10: goodness. Brilliant. Have a great day. You too. Thank you.
1: Let's talk to uh, one of the movers and shakers behind all this. There's, of course, it's Charlie and Claire Bird, and it's Claire who's joining us now. Claire, good morning to you.
5: Hey, Ryan. How are you?
1: Well, where are you?
5: We are now down in Westport. We came here yesterday, so there's fierce excitement down here. You Last a, stages of planning. I was
1: going to say, t- so you arrived down yourself and Charlie. What uh, what sort of greeting did you get?
5: Well, wherever we go, uh, all the women just want to hug Charlie, get their photo. So you wouldn't want to be a jealous wife. So yeah, <laughs> no, amazing. Amazing. Everyone here loves Charlie. I swear to God. Absolutely. And Tiger.
1: Uh, well of then, course a tiger and then
5: I'm I'm behind way behind down the line
1: you're, you're third in that pecking order Is third that in that pecking Jeez. order yeah you're the third bird the third bird, um, <laughs> the third bird. <laughs> tell me th- <laughs> <laughs> tell me this uh, our, how's Charlie doing this morning
5: he's doing great you know in fairness myself and Charlie like you know obviously we've been going through all our own challenges etc but since we've came down here it's just we're just getting stuck into you know the climb for tomorrow like mm. it's only today's Friday, we've got 24 hours and we've been putting on the gear. So, um, no, it's been amazing, Ryan. I mean, we have, as you know, Daniel singing at the top of Crow Patrick. We have the Clue Bay Pipe Band who have never played at the top of Crow Patrick. And the Army Corps, Air Corps are coming in today and they're going to chopper up all their instruments to the top of Crow Patrick. So I'm definitely going down to see that. And, um it's just I think, excitement and also Midwest Radio are going to broadcast live from the top of Crow Great. Patrick. They've never done that before. Wow. So the army are going to chop up their Jenny and their speakers. Right. So when we're at the top, Charlie be able to use his app and the whole of Crow Patrick and people can hear Charlie speak. So no, it's brilliant. And it, the weather is stunning. Like I'm looking out the window, going, "Oh my god, the skies are blue down here." So, yeah,
1: that sounds excellent. good. And what is uh, What are they saying about the weather t- for tomorrow morning? Twenty-five hours from now,
5: I'm actually afraid to look. I know. I have the rain gear, and we and I. I mean, this myself and birds. we no training. We spent the last I don't know nine weeks trying to you know pull all this together. Like we have a a priest down here and an inspector who are looking after us, like okay. killing the Scully, and they are the crack. So, we just haven't had time to do any walking. So, yeah. Well, you're, I don't I think I, Daniel's singing will bring me to the top.
1: You'll be <laughs> elevated by the dulcet tones of Mr O'Donnell. He will... I've
5: actually asked him. He said to me, what kind of song oh, yeah. Charlie like? And I said, well, we love Bruce Springsteen. So, um... Yeah, I think he's going to crack into movie <laughs> at the top of Grand
1: Patrick. I, uh, I am now in my head doing Daniel O'Donnell's <laughs> version of Born in the USA. Born. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you well, know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll do it for you tomorrow when we're on the hill. I, I, I don't, I, but but we're singing
5: all the way up. <laughs> all the way up.
1: Well, we went for a walk. Um, yourself, myself, and yeah. uh, John and Charlie um, and Tiger uh, just at after Christmas. 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 Exactly. Where yeah. do we? What was the name of that hill? I keep forgetting the name of the. Hill.
5: Um, oh, Sleeve Carrick. That's right. It, it it, Carrick.
1: It was gorgeous. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. It was really that lovely yeah, yeah. December morn with the sun and, and all the rest of it. But I got, uh, you know, I, I didn't think when we were doing that climb that I didn't. Not that they didn't think. I just can't believe how big this is and how many. Oh no, it's massive. Like Claire, I'm looking at the text coming in, the emails coming in here. I mean, there's no part of the country hasn't been moved by this story. I know, yeah. And they really, people, really want. And it, in some ways, people just want to give. People want to do something. People want. And
5: people want to do something good. They this do. is it? And yeah.
1: Also, motor neuron disease. Also, you know, neural diseases, generally speaking, mm. and then, of course, Pieta and and how many people are affected by that, yeah. particularly in the last two years. Uh, mental health. This is th- these are two organisations that will, are, are hopefully, at the moment, you're touching what nearly a million. We're nearly
5: a million. Before I can't a foot has,
1: has hit the mountain. Yeah, I
5: know.
1: Yeah, it's remarkable. Unbelievable.
5: Yeah, it is remarkable, and I mean, a million was kind of our target, and I said to Bird, you know, it's just. It's like it's just going to get bigger and bigger. People just want to keep giving, and yeah, yeah it's like we've t- over two hundred climbs, and people are climbing all around the world. And people have taken on our messaging of don't just come to Crow Patrick, climb your mountains in all your own areas, climb your own hills, yeah. your stairs, light your candles, and it's really worked. And like we have a team of volunteers, and some of my best friends have been working on this with me. They said they'd work for a week, and nine weeks later they're still working, yeah. and they have been fantastic. Ryan, and without the messaging to get people you know, to climb their own mountains and, you know, just support us. It's been unreal. I mean, Dunn Stores came on board and they are doing a whole, like, for four days, they started yesterday. You can donate their tills. And they're going to compete oh, that God. in every single branch in the whole of Ireland, Dun Stores. You can go in and you can donate the till if you want. So, like, everyone's come on board. And, like, local people down here, have been amazing. Like McGinn's taxi company, they're just giving their services for free. Good. Um, I know everybody, they're just, people have been fantastic. Yeah. Like we're down here in Hotel Westport and it's like, being at home here, right? I'm behind the reception desk, having the crack with the ladies. Like they're, yeah, they're brilliant. They're just
1: make so yourself at home, there, Claire. I, I mean, actually, feet actually up there. And Mary
5: from reception are like yeah. best bait.
1: <laughs> Mary and Claire hanging out at reception, yeah. you know, just you yeah. You meet
5: Mary; she's lovely. I so, am um, I'm already
1: looking forward to meeting Mary. Yeah. So, oh
5: no, they're just brilliant down here. So yeah, like the whole day, like the weather's fabulous. So the heliers can take off today and. Yeah, get to the top, of Crow Patrick, with everything we want. So and you, um, you got
1: the the you felt the love from Vicky Field and lovely message from her oh as well. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. yeah,
5: and her parents actually are going to come down so with I her believe. siblings, and they're going to climb with us. So yeah, I mean, really special. I know Vicky wants to, you know, be here and, you know, she's just an amazing, inspirational woman. So There's
1: going to be a lot of love on that mountain tomorrow. A lot of love. Oh, a lot listen, of, there yeah. will be. Yeah. I know and
5: all my friends and my, and my mother, Bird's oh. mother-in-law is coming down. Thank
1: goodness. Thank goodness for <laughs> Thank that.
5: Thank goodness. And all, um, obviously, Bird's daughters, Orl and Nessa and the yeah. grandkids, who yeah. I think you might be chatting to tomorrow. Yeah. Um, they're all coming down. So we're very excited to see them all. It's going to be brilliant. Good. We'll, we'll
1: probably see a bit of you in... We'll see a bit of you in some ways on the TV tonight. We'll we'll do a quick uh, visit to yeah. to Mayo. So yeah, say hello to
5: us down here. We will. We'll all be down here, and yeah, we're dying to have the chat.
1: Yeah, um, I noticed that uh, Charlie was saying during the week that he's been crying a lot. Is he okay in that regard? He said it's kind of kind of part of his MND uh, diagnosis. You
5: no, know, part of it. I yeah. mean, but there are a lot of them are tears of joy. Like yeah. people are so kind to him, and you know, when people are kind to you, it's just. It moving. becomes very, very, yeah, it's moving. It's yeah. overwhelming. And people are lovely, like, lovely to him. And, and part of Motorion, you do either have outbursts of laughter or outbursts of tears. Okay. And so you do have that. But with this going on, everybody, their kindness to Bird, it just, yeah, he cries. And it's such a lovely side to him because it's it it's who he is. And he's so grateful to everybody just coming out to support him. And yeah, he loves, he loves. He loves everyone and he loves meeting people. And I think it's going to take a long time to get up Patrick because he has time for everyone because Mm. he just appreciates that everybody's out here to do something good.
1: What, a, what, a, what, oh, what an event. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be great. I'll let you get get back to Mary and finish your cup of tea. And um, <laughs> will you give Charlie a hug from me and from everybody I listening will. this morning? And Claire, we'll see you in the morning. Myself and McGuigan will be on our way. So we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, I've got the gear sorted out. So we'll see you. And also you've got Daniel down there, as you say, singing. we we'll got a Bruce Springsteen song. A bit of Brucey. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so look, have a great day. Uh, well done so far. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow.
4: Yeah. All See right, you tomorrow. Claire.
1: See you soon. Thanks Take for care. Claire. Thanks for that, Claire. Claire joining us. Claire is Mrs. Bird, if you like, and she is powerhouse and been instrumental in making all of this happen. To her credit, joining us live from Mayo, they're there and ready to rock, roll, and climb. So let's go back to Westport now and say to Good morning, Sharon McGrail. Good morning, Sharon.
0: Good morning, Ryan.
1: Nice How to talk you? to your teacher in Skull there in Westport.
0: Yeah, we're just around the corner actually from Clare at the moment because we're very close to um, Hotel Westport. Mm, here. I
1: see. And uh, your students and the pupils, what are you? What, are you a primary school?
0: Yes, we're a primary school. We're the, the main primary school here in town. We have over 350 pupils. Oh, yeah. And we have children from over 38 different countries here with us. Have you and really? Yeah, we do.
1: You're like a like a like a United Nations with chalk.
0: Yeah, a mini pubble. I
1: mean nobody has chalk anymore, but you know what I'm trying to say. I know. Um, yeah. And how are the brat children this morning? Are they well?
0: Oh, they're excellent, and they're very excited because we've been very lucky here, Ryan. Cool. Last January, when you launched your um, climate charity campaign with uh, Charlie, we were very lucky because we have a lovely teacher here in school, Nicole Gannon,
7: mm-hmm.
0: and she teaches sixth class. And she also plays with the Clube A Pipe Band. Oh. So on the Thursday evening in January, we became aware that she was going up to your show to play with the band. Yes. And we just thought, well, wouldn't it be lovely to send a message to Charlie? So we acted very quickly on the Friday morning. I met our principal here, Mr. Shoiga, and Mr. Shoiga sees Sharon Braille coming walking fast. He knows <laughs> she has a plan.
1: A woman on a mission.
0: So, yeah, and he just lets us off. So he's very kind of said, yeah, go ahead. So we decided how are we going to connect with Charlie at a distance. So we're looking up at Co Patrick here every day and we're, you know, conscious of the big mountain that it is for you everyone to climb tomorrow. And we're also aware of Charlie's own personal journey. So we said, Right, we'll do some footprints because we knew that he is, has been training since January. And we um, all the children at the school yeah, started to make their own little footprints and I went around to the classes and explained who Charlie was and a little bit of his story and his journey and it became very clear, Ryan, that they got it very quickly Mm -hmm. and they very carefully decorated the footprints and decorated them so beautifully and we put them together with a letter And we told Charlie that we were going to be walking with him in spirit. So we have a daily mile route around our school here. And we pledged to Charlie in the letter that we would walk the daily mile every day from January 17th until today is our last mile.
1: Wow. Well, that is so impressive.
0: So we have now clocked up over 2,000 miles because, of course, we were very lucky then. Charlie was very moved when he got our footprints and he still has them as a profile on Twitter, which we're very touched by. And um, he came to visit us with Claire and Tiger.
1: Oh, he sent me um, footage of that visit. I now know yeah. who you're talking about. And he was, that was a beautiful, oh, a beautiful well, occasion. A,
0: yeah, I've heard Claire there this morning speak about the tears of joy. Well, there were lots of tears of joy yeah, that morning. Yeah, I'm not just surprised. All the children out, and they were so excited, they chanted his name, and it was just beautiful. And then the six class children with Miss Gannon and Mr McCrone, they uh, wrote a song for him. And um, we took the Proclaimers 5,000 miles long and we adapted it to our school <sighs> motto which is Arila Kiela going forward together and um, they performed it for
2: Charlie.
1: Let's, let's take a little clip of that. I, I, I love this. Climbing,
7: we know what you're
2: going to
1: What a great, that is a lovely yeah. piece of music and a bit of it a gale game. It's become an anthem, yeah. Oh, I bet, yeah. I bet.
0: And it was really special. And it was that was the day that um, we fell in love with Claire and Charlie and Tiger that day and I think they might have fallen in love with us a little bit too yeah. because they came back and visited us a second time in March, just the three of them, and it was really special. And the children have gained a huge appreciation, I suppose, about life really through this Ryan you know yeah. I, I suppose we talk about the hidden curriculum at school and how much of it is taught is and not taught but this journey for us we have you know we've taught children so much about doing the right thing and standing up for people and including people and right. You know, we feel very privileged to have shared this journey with them today, and we're looking forward to meeting them one last time um, uptown in Westport today, and hopefully singing that song one more time.
1: Yeah, I've no doubt, and hopefully I'll meet you all, and if myself, if you're there tomorrow, I'd love to meet you guys because it's, you know, what you—it's very moving the way you describe it that that for for children to see this story and you can interpret it and you can teach it. This is why you're so good at, at, at your job there, obviously, in so many ways. You will get more out of this story than any book will tell tell a child.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because Actions it, speak louder action. than
1: words. It's physical. It's emotional. Yeah. Um, it is. It's, it, there are so many life mm-hmm. lessons in this story. And it's also the beautiful ecology and the nature of this beautiful mm-hmm. mountain, the symbolism mm-hmm. of it. Um, and the and, and Charlie and then telling them about illness and life and love and loss and everything it's a massive lesson for these children this it generation is, it of kids It
0: is huge and I think you know even when he came to visit us the second time he brought some pictures from his travels to the North Pole and the South Pole and right. he spoke to them that day about climate change and you know I think our children have a very well we have a very good school ethos here anyway but mm. I think this has strengthened it. And the moral com- compass of, of work is very strong as a result. And I think they will, you know, they will grow with yeah. this project into the future, right? Right on, I do yeah. think. It you sounds know. like
1: everybody has been enriched by Charlie's story. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So far.
0: Just, he's, there are such special people. And yeah. I suppose the other thing, you know, Claire says she's the third bird, but she certainly isn't. She's <laughs> no. an absolute lady. <laughs> she, and she,
1: she is that. I'm self-deprecating with it, as you know. she's.
0: And... Yeah. Um, of course, Tiger then, Mr. Shoiga had to waive the no dogs in school rule because he got to tour all over the classrooms with the children and they loved that. And so
1: you were allowed to have dogs, birds, everything that day?
0: Everything that day. All rules.
1: But all human all human and canine life. Sharon, I, I love your your ethos. Uh, will you please tell all those gorgeous children and I pass on my very, very best and Absolutely. lots of love.
0: They are um, walking non-stop it's like a walk on here oh, today great, now they're great. all out touring around and smiling and they're happy and we're happy
1: for them sounds good happy and healthy the two key ingredients in life
0: absolutely
1: Sharon see you tomorrow with any luck and thanks for your time yes. today
5: okay
0: nice all to right. talk to you, and
1: bye you bye. Sharon McGrath is a teacher there in School forag in Westport a lot in that wasn't there that wasn't just a whimsical chat 24 and a half hours from the march up the reek as they call it Carl Henry good morning
8: Good morning, Ryan So pretty. How are you? How's it going? I'm good. You're
1: you're on route, are you?
8: I am, I pulled in at the side of the road I'm in a nice safe spot I'm heading down to Westport nice and early and uh, I'm getting even listening to the show Daniel O'Donnell singing. and Bruce Springsteen at yeah. the top of Croke-Patrick I mean seriously it's got to be epic for loads of reasons loads well, of reasons
1: That's going to be a bigger achievement than me reaching the top uh, so <laughs> we, we, we're away with interest Carl, what just, just people all around the country seem to be climbing some class of hill or, or reek or mountain to the, tomorrow what do we need uh, give us the, like, the top bits of advice
8: yeah, so first of all, so the key thing is you've got to build it to your fitness level. So make sure that you're fit enough to do what you're trying to do. That company you are chatting about earlier on, doing 130 floors for Mount Fuji. I hope they've had their full medicals before they attempt that because it's a fairly big thing to yeah. attempt. Okay. So just ensure that you're fit enough to do it. And if you're not, don't be afraid to turn around. And that's really, really important. From what I know, we'll be chatting to and Joanne, uh, Joanna Donnelly later on. The weather forecast for tomorrow is cold, but a couple of showers and a bit of sunshine. So prepare for all weather. Bring a rucksack. Bring some warm stuff in the rucksack, some gloves, a hat. In terms of clothing, it's layering, right? So it's a non-cotton-based T-shirt. That's really important mm. because the cotton stuff fills with sweat and gets really cold. Then a light fleece on top of that. And then a rain or windproof jacket on top of that. Nothing new tomorrow. So don't get the shiny new boots out because you're going to get blisters not use gear that you've worn and trained in over the course of the last couple of months. And that's really, really important um, because otherwise it's going to make it very uncomfortable no matter where you're climbing it. And that is crucial. Bring some, always bring some Vaseline just in your rucksack in case you need it, in case you get blisters. And then obviously lots of food is important too. If you're going to climb somewhere new that you haven't done before, bring your phone with you. Ring someone if you're, on your, if you're with a small group. Let them know where you're going be safety conscious that's really really important we've had loads of questions on Instagram I am going to do an Instagram live when I'm down in Westport so if you have any questions or any of your listeners have questions follow me on Instagram and I'll be able to do it live when, you're doing, when
1: you're doing the live
8: I'll do, it, I'll do it later on this evening when I get to okay. Westport so it's, at, it's at Carl Henry PT because we're getting so many questions in from people with yeah. regards what they should do Bring some food with you. So water and food are really important. Um, you know, bring the bring the sandwiches, bring some fruit, bring a package of uh, a pack of you know something like jelly babies or fruit pastilles or something. The so sugar and that can be now really. Now you good have food. my
1: undivided attention. Um, I know jelly I babies. Like you say uh, I'll bring a big
8: <laughs> pack of jelly babies tomorrow. Because just in case you feel a bit, you know you're getting a bit tired. There, yeah, yeah, sugar sugar, sugar hit. You get a lovely kick from that, and uh, it is important. I know I have a rucksack full of sugary stuff for yourself, Baz and good Dermot it. and everyone else coming to Good, good to man, Carl. Uh, don't worry <laughs> okay I don't
1: need to <laughs> pop into the shopping. shop and out Carl look uh, safe travel look forward to seeing you tomorrow and uh, climb every mountain we'll catch up with you again thanks for your time
7: see you soon uh, right. take you. it Bye easy way. Carl
1: Henry joining us there with very practical advice I think among the most sensible things you could hear today is turn back and don't be afraid to turn back if you feel I don't think I can do this don't yeah, Just Just it's meant to be an enjoyable experience as well alright you got it